0: Living the Dream acknowledges the traditional owners of the land it is recorded on, especially the Jagera and Turrbal peoples, elders past, present and future, and their continuing struggles for justice and self-determination. G'day, you are listening to Living the Dream, the podcast of the hoo Group. I'm sitting here at the Pineapple Hotel with Camilla and, and Eliza, who are from Sovereignty Solidarity, which is a pretty interesting and pretty exciting um, new development that's going on in Brisbane. I'm really interested today to do an interview to find out what this group's all about, what's the thinking behind them. But also I think it's super important because I think nationally there's a new conversation going on how to understand the role and history of white supremacy in Australia and also the resistance against it. And I think these are some of the people in Brisbane really working on these questions in really interesting ways. So would you be able to tell us what Sovereignty Solidarity is all about?
1: Um, I guess it was an initiative um, from Brisbane Solidarity Network Um, at at some point that group decided that we would have working groups that were working on different things and um, I was interested in looking at uh, issues of race I guess and white supremacy and um, that kind of stuff so this was one of the um, one of the topics in that broader topic. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of become its own thing, I suppose. Um, Yeah, I wanted to do that after going to the G20 march and rally, uh, at which we heard from the war speakers, the warriors of the Aboriginal resistance. And I think hearing those speakers, particularly lined up against the other speakers,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, I really heard the, the... personal aspect of their struggle in a way that I didn't with the other speakers you know it was it's a struggle that is really um really deep and really personal and um I guess for me at that point I still don't really know how to explain it but um yeah at that point I came to believe that the colonisation of this country lies at the base of everything else that's going on in this this country so I guess um, not to put it in a hierarchical way but um, you know it has an importance that needs to be considered in every other struggle.
0: So is that a kind of an understanding that if you were to try to describe Australian society the starting point would be colonisation?
1: I suppose so yeah
0: and I, I'm interested as well, oh sorry, Camilla.
2: Oh, um, so in terms of my involvement I guess I sort of got on board once Eliza had already done a bit of groundwork. Um, and yeah, I guess as well as the, in, in describing Australian society I think it's also just important that no matter what we're working on politically or otherwise we're aware of our context and that mm. is our context. And. So it's part of just having that awareness and ensuring that we're doing work to undo that as well. So
0: okay, so, so this new initiative, what kind of things do you do?
2: Um, so we have had a presence at embassy meetings um, so that we sort of know what's going on and communicate that to a, a wider group mm-hmm. uh, and support whatever sort of initiatives are coming out of that. So out of that we've, we've had volunteers going to the food program that the embassy runs, um, we've on banner making and stuff like mm-hmm. that, or printing—you know, sort of giving tangible support when it's
0: needed. So this is a, essentially a, a group of non—sorry. No, go ahead. So it's a group of non-indigenous, non-indigenous people. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Attempting to work out a productive and useful way of relating to indigenous struggle—is that an effective yeah. description of it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think um, part of it too is. Um, I guess the way that I understand it, and when I put on, I put on a workshop this year and last year, looking at the ways that, specifically for non-Indigenous people, looking at the ways um, we relate to Indigenous struggle, like assuming that we're coming from that perspective, and then looking at um, how we can relate with Invasion Day. And I think that in that workshop there's two parts to it, which I feel is the work that I understand that non-Indigenous people need to be doing uh, in relation to um, the context of colonisation. And part of it is looking at ourselves, looking at our own context, looking at our own history, looking at we where we come from and understanding that we are settlers in this land or, you know, whatever our context in. Like, obviously, you know, my family is sixth generation from England more or less, but whatever our context is, whether you come as a refugee or as a migrant or as a settler, whatever that is, understanding that and giving importance to that rather than just pretending that um, you know we belong here. So I think part of it is understanding our own context. And then the other part is really um, understanding how we relate to indigenous struggle. Like what is our role in indigenous struggle? And I think that is, um, you know, that is that is a tough one, and it's um, really important. And I think it's something we need to take very seriously. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Um, just I was sort of thinking this morning about the work that we've been doing and some of the challenges with that, um, and there is sort of a lot of a lot of undoing that needs to be done when you sort of go along to things and. I certainly had impulses at times to go, oh, this isn't being done the way that I would do it. Maybe I, you know, I wish it was being done the way I do it, like whether it was the way the food program was being run or things like that. And learning to step back and just allow things to be directed by the community it should be directed by has been a really important learning Mm -hmm. and you can't really... Understand how challenging that can be it's very easy to assume that you won't that you'll step in and you'll just be Easily be able to follow whatever's going on, but it can be extremely challenging especially when you see things that aren't working super efficiently all the time But you know you can't walk into something that's been established for years and then try to enforce your own Will upon it we don't understand where the development that's gone into those programs the energy that's gone into them and and the way They want to be directed
1: yeah, I think I think um, a lot of it is understanding what not to do, like that's a big part of it. And yeah, um, understanding what not to do, so that is part of it. And then I think people sort of sometimes go, okay, I understand what not to do, and so I will do nothing. But I think that's not adequate either. I think we really have a role to play, but I think we need to understand what our role is. So part of it, as Camilla said, is, understanding leadership Um, so yes we don't we having a position of leadership in Aboriginal struggles is not appropriate and but at the same time I think leadership is necessary in other areas like in terms of um, bringing these issues to our own communities in terms of confronting you know confronting white society I think that's where we need to show leadership and we need to do actions that are um, bold and risky and scary and confronting so yeah I don't I think I feel like sometimes like people are you know this is too this is too difficult I don't know how to interact with this and so I won't do anything but I guess um, yeah part of what we're trying to do is find our role and take that seriously.
0: There's a there's a lot there and a lot of really interesting stuff so uh, would you be able to tell me a little bit more about the thinking behind the idea of like this kind of idea of having a confrontational relationship to white society—what's that all about? Where does that understanding come
1: from? Uh, well, I don't know. I mean, it's probably just my understanding. I'm not sure it's something we've sat down and talked about. But um, yeah, I mean, for example, around Invasion Day, it's 26th of January. Um, I think that I think that there's points in time at which dominant society, as it's know understood needs a bit of a slap in the face and i think invasion day is one of those times and so i feel like it's my role to slap them in the face as much as possible um yeah i guess i i had a conversation with um someone at the embassy last year uh a non-indigenous guy and we were going to do a a bit of a stunt where we went down to south bank where there were lots of australia day revelers and we were going to hand out cupcakes we called them genocide cupcakes because they were red in the middle and they had white on the outside, uh, with a little Australian flag on top and some, you know, drizzled red um, syrup. And I was sort of trying to understand how I would communicate the ideas that we had when we were handing these out to people. Um, and part of it was, you know, with what, by eating this cupcake, they were complicit in this celebration. So it was sort of making them complicit or showing them their complicity by not opposing um, what Australia Day means. And so I wrote this, you know, huge essay trying to explain uh, you know, why Australia Day was wrong and please come with us to the embassy and blah 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 blah. Anyway, I ended up I sent this to one of these, a guy at the embassy who, you know, I trust on sort of talking about this stuff and he was um, he gave me some feedback about the, the words and he convinced me at some point that sometimes a slap in the face is a good method of learning. You know, there's only so much gently, gently that needs to happen and um, we, need to, we need to understand what that day means and what is going on in this country. And I don't think slap in the face is a bad thing all the time. Does
0: that answer your question? No, it, it does, and it raises a whole range of other, I think, really interesting and important ones. Because I guess I uh, like the thing I was thinking before I came here was, is it... When we're talking about non-Indigenous society in Australia, is it still correct to describe it as being white and what that means, you know? Uh, and also, do we have an understanding of, like, a potential political project... Where the majority of non-indigenous people will become part of some kind of radical transformation in, on this continent, or are they kind of too fundamentally wedded to the product processes of colonization to ever leave those? Because I, I'm not really involved directly in these debates, but I think I kind of see those as the contours that are happening in those debates around me. So I was kind of that question that you, you're, what you just said there, has raised those ideas for me. But I was also wondering if this is kind of stuff that has come up when we talk about. Um, non-Indigenous society, what that looks like?
1: Yeah, I don't think... I don't think... um, I definitely don't want to think of Australia as a white society because it's not, but in terms of my context, I'm white and those are the people that I need to communicate with. Um, Not that I see any similarity between me and them other than, you know, the fact that my skin is white and I have, you know, this history and this relationship with dominant society. In terms of, like, non-Indigenous people and their role in this... Yeah, I think it's the same thing with leadership. You know, it's not our place to say what our role is. You know, that will come out in the wash, but it's not, yeah, it's not our place to say what that is. Sorry.
2: No, that's okay. Um, Yeah, I don't know, in terms of... So are you sort of saying, like, do you think there'll ever be a mainstream backing in this struggle?
0: Yeah, and also, how do you... Since you are working on this, Mm. how do you conceive the rest of non-Indigenous Australian society out there when Mm. you work on your projects?
2: Yeah, I don't know, I suppose we, a lot of the stuff that we have done has not been with that facet of society, Mm because we've been working more directly with the communities we're supporting. We have sort of talked about doing education programs, like there was talk of doing a learning circle, it may still happen, and trying to get more people at least learning. The history, which I think is a, a very good starting point. Um, but, yeah, I don't, it's, it's yeah. not something I've thought about too much, to be honest. Yeah,
0: that's it's really... So at the moment, would I be correct to say that you find it more kind of useful as a practical orientation to engage in direct solidarity work with Indigenous pro- uh, struggles that are happening?
2: Yeah, and also, I mean, that's not to say that we don't have to do a lot of learning mm. ourselves. So, you know, we're... we're giving direct support wherever we can but through that process and through what we're engaging with, that's also undoing a lot of stuff in our own minds, it's not like we've sorted everything out ourselves so that's a process of education in itself
1: I think too the the other part of it so part of it is looking at our relationship with indigenous struggle and doing that solidarity work which we've talked about, but the other part is looking at ourselves and looking at, and this is for broader society, looking at our own history, our own story of settlement on this land and I think through that process people can um, you know, come to some kind of understanding of their situation in this society and um, you know, I guess it's this whole thing of like, is it white privilege you know, do white people actually benefit from this relationship of domination and I think we do to an extent but I also think we don't so I guess um, you know, I think there's potential there for people to come to an understanding of their own situation and the way in which colonisation has damaged the coloniser as well as the colonised, you know, not to an equal extent, but, um, yeah, I don't think this, this country has an easy conscience. I think we, we all understand what has happened, we all understand there's no resolution, and we can either deal with that or we can not deal with it, and the status quo is not dealing with it. but. Um, I think there's potential for dealing with
0: it. You you mentioned the concept of privilege. Does that play a role in your thinking and discussions? Is that one of the conceptual tools you use? I don't know. Because I I guess there's like a generation maybe younger than me that use a whole range of language that I don't use. Mm.
1: I'm older than you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, okay, Uh, but in terms of like... So the concepts I see are like privilege, ally, Mm. decolonisation... Are these, like, real, in terms of your concrete sitting down and talking with each other, thinking about the world, do you use these concepts or would I be kind of putting you in a box that is not appropriate?
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if we have so clearly defined the concepts that we use. I think,
1: I think we or I understand that, um, you know, there's a certain privilege that means that in this society I can go into a shop and not look like a shoplifter. I can get a job you know, more easily. I can, you know, just those basic jumping through hoops in society, like Mm. I have an easier time. So, yes, I think we recognise privilege, but I feel like at least my relationship with my privilege is not one of guilt. It's one of recognition and it's um, a relationship of how can I use that privilege in a way that's constructive. So, um, you know, the fact that I can do things and not be looked at as suspicious um, is useful.
0: (laughs) So I, I, I'm really kind of conscious that maybe my even way, my way of even approaching this is maybe wrong. Like I'm like I'm looking for key concepts because that's a certain theoretical mode of mm. understanding something. So I, I don't want to do this thing and going, oh, these new struggles are happening. What are their concepts? Mm. And therefore misunderstand the way that people are actually talking about. So I'm kind of conscious of of, of that. Uh, but just to continue that one more step, <laughs> what about this idea of decolonization? Because I really see this being used by comrades again and again and again as the key critical idea. Is this a useful concept to understand what's going on? And how do we imagine decolonization if it is?
2: Well, imagining decolonization is a hard one. Mm. Um, but I guess I imagine it as, and there are so many different facets to it as well, but like, it's about so many different things. It's about land rights. It's about culture. It's about self-determination of those communities. But it's also about undoing in our own minds white supremacy mm-hmm. and um, learning new ways to live. But I think you know you can't, you can't actually picture what the world would be post-decolonisation, um, but I think it's something that would open up a lot of spaces and new possibilities for everybody uh, to move forward in better and more productive ways.
1: Yeah, I don't think it's a term we've used very much either. Um, there's a good quote I read somewhere, probably Facebook. It said something like, um, decolonise our land, not your mind. Yeah. And I thought that was a really good way of putting it um, because, yeah, there's decolonize- I think there's decolonisation for Aboriginal people and there's decolonisation for non-Aboriginal people. And um, there's crossover but there's also difference. So, yeah, I think... Decolonisation is the same sort of the similar stuff we've talked about. It's decolonising yourself, which means not, not claiming your place on this land. Um, and then there's decolonising your relationship with Aboriginal people. So you know, just that stuff we've been talking about in terms of taking leadership and, you know, trying to direct struggle and you know being the white saviour and all that sort of stuff that you come up against. And then you're like, hang on, that's not. You know that's not the way to go about it so yeah I think that's good to keep at the front of our minds though it, it is in a sense a personal thing but primarily I don't know if primarily it is a personal thing but yeah decolonize our land not your mind it's a good good starting point
0: <laughs> so unfortunately we're running out of, out of time um, because i from some faffing around on my part this morning uh, if people are listening to this and are interested are you the kind of project that people who you don't already know can get involved with or, and if so, um, how would people get in contact with you? Or would you suggest a different kind of route for someone who's listening to this and going, actually, this is raising some things I'm really interested in?
2: Yeah, well, that's an interesting question because we've never really talked about navigating new people wanting to get involved in things if, if they're completely Distant, most of the people involved are people that we've known and have invited or have sort of heard through a friend. But yeah, I don't know. We do. We need uh, help with getting to meetings and things like that. We, you know, that's a bit of a struggle. But I don't know. I guess a good starting point is to go to the embassy meetings. I, I would say, and listen.
1: (laughs) Yeah. What do you think, Eliza? Yeah. No. Totally open to people coming and being active. Um, We have a Facebook. New Facebook page called Sovereignty Solidarity, which people can check out. I'll add the
0: link to the bottom of this as well. Yeah, great.
1: And um, yeah, aside from that, if you're in a different city, I guess yeah, the starting point for us was going in and listening to two Aboriginal people um, through the embassy and um, debriefing. I guess when that happened and sort of critically looking at our role in that and. You know, we've been really lucky in Brisbane because we have these meetings that are every Wednesday that are open to, you know, Indigenous and non-Indigenous people to go and learn. And we have lots of, lots of avenues that are open to us in Brisbane. So I guess it depends on uh, the context of the places people are, but that's a, that's a good start. But yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
0: that, that sounds fantastic. Look, well, I, I get the impression there's going to be a kind of um. New cycle of Indigenous struggle unfolding over this coming year. There seems to be a whole amount of organisation and new ideas or old ideas and, and um, articulation struggle that's going on. And I'd and be really great to um, maybe catch up with you in a couple of months and see how this project has been, been unfolding. And um, I, I, I would really appreciate it if that's something that's possible. If there's anything I haven't asked that you feel that we need to talk about or...
2: No, good. Well, thank you very
0: much. I think that was great.
2: Thank you. No worries.
0: You've been listening to Living the Dream, the podcast of the High Group.